This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Come on now, let's give God a clap offering. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's our way, our truth, and our life. And He is Daddy to all of us. A Father that loves and believes in us. And he believes in us so much so that he just looks at you and just gets happy at knowing that you're one of his children. So look at your name and say, he's talking about me. That's, that's what you and God got going on. You know that? Yeah. Tell him, say, God and I got it going on like that. You know, we, we're good. We're good. You know, and, and that's, that's the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength, right? And so when we have the Lord on our side and we're faithfully serving him and living for him and serving him, everything works out for the good. Look at your neighbor and say, that's true. That is true. Anybody in here have not gone through anything that you didn't need the Lord to help you out of? I don't think so. (laughs) This world is not good. This world is not fair. As a matter of fact, If it wasn't for the goodness of God, I wouldn't want to be in this place because it's devastating. It's evil, it's dark, and it's wicked, but thanks be to God, there is light. And guess who that light is? You. We are the light of the world as well because why? We're connected with Jesus. And his light shines through each and every one of us. Tell them you're wondering why they look so bright. Well, it's a joy to be here. I do want to thank Bishop, the bishop and overseer of this great ministry, uh, Bishop Jim, and his great work in his heart and his passion for this community, this city. I've met him several times over, and we went to Israel together. And I want you to know he believes that there is a reason for live church to be here, and he's convicted to that, and he is going to make sure that in everything that God has called him to do, he's done it through loving you, the people of God. He and First Lady Carrie, they are the epitome of the heart of God, believing that everybody deserves to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ before they leave the face of this earth. Amen. And so I want to thank you. Yeah, give it up. They deserve it. Those are the kind of people I like to hang out with, you know, warriors, ready to make something happen. Make it happen. Look at your neighbor and say, make it happen. Well, I am gracious and thankful that this is a holiday weekend, I think, for you. And uh, I was told that uh, Brigham Young, who came to this area, this territory, and said, this is the place. And obviously, they have built their kingdom here. But I want you to know that this is also your place. Are you with me? Because God has placed you here for such a time as this. And he doesn't want you to be under the cover of somebody else. He wants you to be his light, his salt, his difference maker, his presence, his way and his truth. Because Brigham Young and all those that don't know Jesus in the way that we ought to know in in the past and the history, 
we ought to be the light and the catalyst by which love can truly be demonstrated because God is love. And he that knoweth God knows that God is love and therefore because God is love, we must be demonstrators of love as well. Amen. And so it's about love. It's about this love thing. You see, love is a powerful thing. It's the most powerful powerful four-letter word that exists in, in, in any language because love calls people to change and to do things that are kind and gentle and, 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 and respectful. You know how I know that? I guarantee you that somewhere to prove it, you fell in love with somebody. And when you fell in love with them, boy, something changed. You felt something. You start making personal sacrifices to walk a mile to see that person. You couldn't wait. You know, when you thought about it or mentioned their name, the chill bumps just came over you. You know, when you, when you try to go to bed at night, instead of grabbing them because they weren't there, you grab the pillow. You see, it's something about love. Love is a transformational power of demonstration. That causes something great to always happen. And that's what God is. God is love. And the reason God is love is because it is the most powerful transformation word and force known through humanity. Throughout the world. Love covers a multitude of sins and faults. Love changes even the hearts of men who have been beat down and feel that there is no hope and have become those who destroy and hate and do evil. When love covers them, they become new creations, new creatures. And that's what love does. That's why we need more godly, agape love in the world. Amen? So let's, let's look then a little bit at, at how this came into being, how things began to unfold, and why we need to, as the body of Christ, take it to the next level. Do you want to go to the next level in your life as a Christian, as a husband, wife, as a parent, as a student, as a child? Everybody must always want to go to the next level. The next level simply means I want to be better than what I was yesterday. And see, God is a next level God. He has a strategy and a plan that is supernaturally changing the very fabrics of humanity throughout the ages to come because he's a next level God. Now, let's look then at what God's heart has caused to be so that we, without any doubt and unbelief, can trust him. In Matthew's gospel, the ninth chapter, and beginning at verse 35 through 38, reading from the King James translation, and we're going to try to get through this, so I want you to walk with me. Uh, you know, and, and when I say walk with me, every once in a while, I want to see a hand wave. Uh, I want to hear somebody say amen. I, I, I want somebody to smile. You know what I mean? When you do that, I know you're walking with me. And see, if you walk with me, that means I can finish up faster. <laughs> because if you don't walk with me, I might want to repeat it because I didn't think you got it. <laughs> and I don't want to leave here being recognized as Reverend Repeat. So look at your neighbor and say, let's walk with him. Let's walk with him. I understand they got some barbecue out there. 
And I don't want it to sit too long without my presence. Look at your neighbor and say, Amen. Okay, verse 35, Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. This is Jesus, the son of the living God, who created humanity and all creation with the Father. Let us make man in our own image. Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. So here Jesus, the Son of God, who has always been and always will be, is now in the flesh, walking through Jerusalem and the cities, teaching, preaching, and healing. The Son of God gave up his throne in glory, put on flesh, and now is teaching, preaching, and healing. Now we've got to get this. Why is Jesus, the Son of God, in the flesh teaching, preaching, and healing when he could still be on his throne in glory? Well, here's the reason why. When we look at God's instruction to our first parents, Adam and Eve, first parents, they rebelled against God and sinned against God and they ate of the forbidden fruit. And as a result of that, they violated their trust in their relationship with God and caused God, who's a just God, to impute punishment upon them. Now, that punishment was not only for our first parents, but it was imputed upon all humanity. Our first parents got us in a mess. I, I mean, they, they messed things up. And so as a result of it throughout the ages, as a result of our parents who didn't get it right, I'm glad we get it right, <laughs> but, but they didn't get it right. And what happened is that they caused all humanities to come under the punishment and the curses of creation. That means they separated, they were put out of the garden and, and that environment that God created them to be in where in the cool of the day he would go spend time with them. He was fellowship with them. He gave them good responsibilities. Man, it was happening in that garden. But Satan is on the warpath and he infiltrated just like he's doing today. And he deceives. He set people up to fail. And so he set up our parents. And as a result, it made God get ready to do something supernatural. And that is to rescue us back out of the hands of Satan. He's a loving God. In Genesis 3.15, he gave this profound prophetic statement that to Satan and to the world, he said, the seed of the woman would come on the scene and Satan would bruise his heel but he would crush Satan's head. Now, that's the love of God. The crushing love of God. Look at it. It's love is so sweet and so good. It crushes things that don't need to be there because he loves us. But God loves us. And so what happens as a result of that great prophetic promise, here we are 
in Matthew's gospel, the ninth chapter, verse 35, seeing God follow through on his promise. We serve a daddy that follows through on what he promises. That's the kind of daddy I want. He's an on-time God. He never disappoints. He never lies. He is there for us. Now, that ought to make you feel good you got a daddy like that. He's given us great and precious promises that when we obey and put on those promises that we will have a great life. That put it on that divine nature. We win favor with God. When you have the favor of God, our daddy, it ain't fair. Favor is not fair, but it sure is good. We don't deserve a lot of things, but because our daddy loves us, he's there for us. Now, listen at this. That's why we see Jesus teaching, preaching, and healing, and, that, and teaching and preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand because now he's on a rescue mission. In Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter, in verse 18, when he started his ministry, remember he opened up the book of Isaiah and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the broken heart, to open the blind eyes, to set the captives free, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus was ready to do something, to go into action. And he was teaching, preaching, and healing is a demonstration of the anointing of his desire to make the Father happy by setting the captives free. And that's what we are. We have benefited from Jesus and his committed heart to fulfill the will of God. How committed is this? Well, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he helps us capture the heart of God. What is the heart of God? When they were complaining that Jesus hadn't returned. And Peter responded and said, God is not like some. He's not a liar. He's not a deceiver. But the love of God is greater than anything we can think of. He says that God is not slight concerning his promises. But he's patient. He's waiting. Because he's willing that no one should perish. Everybody should have an opportunity to experience the freedom that's in his son. He's willing that no one perish. Perish is devastating. It means eternal damnation. It means staying in the lake of fire for eternity's eternity. And the only thing that Jesus said that you can do in that lake of fire is weep and grind your teeth. Forever and ever and ever with the flames and the pain. Nobody should want to go to the lake of fire. Ask your neighbor, do you want to visit there? Don't answer. I know the answer. <laughs> we do not. Why? Because that's not the place to be. No human being desires, deserves to be there, especially when we are all created in the image and the likeness of God. So here, Jesus is at work now making sure that God's commitment is true because in John 3.16, that being perishing, that state of perishing, Jesus, through the grace of God, stood up to do something. And we all know that verse, and we need to take it to heart like never before. But God, that, that whosoever should not but, come on now, see, y'all walking with me. We're going to get there. We, we, we moving. We in a stride now. Amen. God gave his only begotten son to whosoever would believe in him would not. So Jesus is the antidote. He's the inoculation for perishing. 
Man, it can't get any better than that. If you're going downhill, go get a shot of Jesus and go uphill. Because he'll reverse your course. He is the Lord. He's the liverer. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's our present hope. And just let me assure you that he is our hope of glory. This is the triangle impact of Jesus in demonstration. Jesus, the Son of God, he justified us when he went to the cross and rose. Justification means he has paid the penalty of sin for all of us. We've been set free. We've been redeemed. No lake of fire for us. Come on, give him praise. Death, where is your sting and grave? Where is your victory? It's been consumed by the blood of Jesus. Someone ought to give him praise right now. I'm talking about Jesus. Woo. I, I, I get to feeling good about that one. So therefore, the penalty has been paid. You ought to get happy. Hey, man, that's a debt I, I owe, but I don't have to pay. I don't know about you. When some debt get relinquished or, or wiped off, I get happy. Oh, we ought to be happy about that. And so the next thing in the triangle of, of salvation is that we do not any longer, because of Jesus, live under the power of sin. Oh, it used to control us. You know what? Some of y'all been there. You know where you came from and what you used to do. I know I was a big sinner. I did all kind of stupid stuff. I mean, I did stupid. When you don't know right, you do there you go. Stupid is stupid. <laughs> and so what happened, it separated us from God. But now sin has no more power over me. Huh? When sin comes, we can rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Turn our back and walk away. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. And I got a praise of victory, of joy. Because if God be for me, whoa, shake it off there a little bit. Feel good about who you are. I'm a child of the king. My dad is a bad daddy. <laughs> Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now listen, this is where the church has got to be if we're going to go to the next level. Look at your neighbor and say, let's go to the next level. Let's go to the next level. Let's go to the next level. In order to get to the next level, we've got to be men and women full of Jesus and full of compassion. What is compassion? Compassion is not having pity for somebody, and it's not an emotional response. Compassion drives down to the very innermost beings of all humanity, to the very depths of our bowels. It goes so deep in us, it consumes us. That's what Jesus saw. Here you see Jesus teaching, preaching, and healing, but he wasn't just contented and satisfied with that. Some of us are complacent and get satisfied when God used us to pick up a straw. No, I'm just talking. But here's the key. When we do something, we think we've done something. But Jesus here Healing, teaching, and preaching was not contented with just a little dab of do you. He looked out and he was moved with compassion because people were still dying and perishing. 
They were like a sh like sheep without a shepherd. That's what's happening in our world today. That's what's happening in America. Everything we see is the result of sin. Everything, the killings, the drugs, the alcohol, the abuse, the sexual immorality, pornography, and all of these things are sin that results in people's behavior that is anti-God, anti-Christ, and anti-human. Are you with me? Sin is, is a very powerful, dark thing that infiltrates the hearts of men and causes them to misbehave. And so what happens? You see, all those things that we see happening, that's not the real big sin, as bad as they are. Drugs, smoking, and drinking, and cursing, profanity, and all those other kind of things, they're bad. But here's the greatest sin. The greatest sin to humanity and what's happening in the world today is the sin of rejecting Jesus. You see, when Jesus comes in, he covers everything. But when he's not there, everything is in there. And man cannot help themselves. They need a savior. They need a helper. And so we need to be compassionate because what this compassion does is deep down, it causes us to see the hurts of people. It causes us to see people in pain and agonizing and being defeated by darkness and knowing that they have no hope. They do not have a God that they can trust in. And it causes us to go into action to get them and alleviate that distress and that pain that they are in. It makes us do something. That's why Jesus is teaching, preaching, and healing. Compassion drove him that I can't look at that man or that family under the bridge or that alcoholic or that addicted person. I cannot look unless I do something. We need it today. Now listen, I want to give you a good illustration here. And then as we look in verse 37, then said he unto his disciples, the harvest is truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plenteous. There are so many lost souls right here in Salt Lake City on their way to the lake of fire with no hope and no God without it. The only way they can escape that is that we, the church, has we've got to stand up. We've got to teach We've got to preach. We've got to rescue. We've got to talk about our superhero named Jesus. We've got to talk about our best friend, Jesus. If we do not tell people about Jesus, then how much of Jesus do we have? If Jesus is truly our deliverer and our present help in the time of trouble, if he's our way, our truth, and our, and our life, if, he, if he's truly our rose of sharing, if he's truly the wheel in the middle of the wheel for us, if, if he's truly going to prepare a place for us and he's coming back, and that's the third aspect of the Trinity triangle is the one that addresses glorification. Right now, we've got to work while it is day for the night is coming and no man can work. We've got to get ready ready for the return of Jesus because there are people that are perishing and we want to make sure that when he returns we'll be caught up to meet him in the air and when we look upon him we will be transformed we will be just like him we are not contented we are not satisfied to where we are now because we are going to the next level and it's going to catapult us into the very presence of Jesus and God himself come on and give him praise Hallelujah. That's why I'm busy about my father's business. 
I got a crime waiting for me. I've got a temple not made with the hands of man, but I got it made by God himself. And when Jesus comes back, won't be no more sickness, no more dying, no more crying, no more pain, no more. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come quickly. Oh, I tell you, man, it's nothing like being a child of God that loves Jesus. And listen at verse 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labor, labors into his harvest. Now, this is where it gets us. Folks, people, people don't realize it. But God is saying the harvest, those that are perishing, those that are lost, those that are hurt, they are mine. Just like you and I were before we came to the Lord. He still owned us. He says, they're mine. I don't like the sin, but I love them. And I want them back to me. I want you to bring them back. But Jesus, what did he see? He cried out with a heart of compassion. And he cried out to alleviate the, the oppression. And he says, pray to the Father of the harvest to send laborers. 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 Laborers are what? Workers. Workers. They are, they're physically involved. They are spiritually involved. They are workers. He didn't say, pray to the Father to send members. Members. Look at your name and say, which one are you? Are you a laborer or a member? Now, I'm going to tell you the difference. Do you want to hear it? Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. A member is a person who thinks it's all about them and what's in it for them. That's what a member wants. Because if it's not about them and they're not in the limelight and getting their attention and they don't feel like they're benefiting, they'll come to the pastor and say, I've outgrown your teaching, so I'm going to go find another church. And they do that everywhere. That's what a member does. A member occupies a seat. But that's all they do. They sit. A laborer is a worker. They know that they've got to work while it is day because the night is coming when no man can work. They are men and women who are full of the spirit of God who knows that it's essential that they take forth the message of Jesus. Because if they don't deliver the message, how will they know? How will they hear? And every one of us are missionaries. Look at your, your neighbor and say, hey, missionary. We're all missionaries. When you become a child of God, you become a missionary. Because you've got a message. You've got a purpose. Come on now. You've got a future. You've got a hope. You're past the dream area. You're in reality supernaturally now. You're superior to the natural because you've got a mansion that you just keep dreaming on and about what it's going to look like while you're laying up all your treasures up there. Lay up your treasures. He that wins souls is wise. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Okay? Here we go. I got to end this. Listen. Let me share you with this story, and I want you to put yourself in the position as this young man. This young man lived on the beach in a condo. And every morning, he would get up and walk on the beach just before the sun would rise, enjoying the sun and hearing the waves from the ocean roll in. And so this one morning, he got up early. And when he got up to go, 
he realized that he couldn't walk because the undercurrent had washed ashore thousands and thousands of starfish. And they impeded him from going. It's kind of like Jesus when he saw the multitude. They were all out there like sheep without a shepherd. They impeded him from being able to go because he knew that he had to be a difference maker. They needed to be touched. He knew, Jesus, that they were out of the environment that they should have been in. And this young man knew that the starfish were out of the environment that they should have been in. Their life was to be lived in the ocean. The life of every human being should be lived in the kingdom of God. And so, as this young man stood there, he had three choices. He could have gone back to his condo and went to bed and said, Hey, tough, I got a break. Or he could have gone to another location and walked. But he chose the third, just like Jesus, who gave up his throne in glory, who could have stayed there and said, God, wipe them all out again. Let's start all over. He said, no, prepare me a body, I'll go. And he came. And this young man, realizing that if he didn't go into action, compassion for starfish, now, I don't know what starfish are good for. I, I've gone to a lot of seafood restaurants, but I've never seen starfish on the menu. <laughs> Not even a gumbo, a soup. But this young man fell in love with starfish. Huh. And as a result of that, just like Jesus fell in love with us, this young man kneeled and began to toss one starfish at a time back into the ocean and the environment they lived in. And as he was tossing, a gentleman came up to him and said, you're wasting your time. You're not going to make a difference. And the young man stood up with the starfishes in hand and tossed him back into the ocean and said, I just made a difference for that one. That's what Jesus did. It, come on, give it up. One day, every one of us, we were just like that starfish. But somebody tossed us back into the environment, into the kingdom of God, and look at us now. Look at us now. Worshiping and praising God. Folks, there are people that need to be tossed back into the kingdom of God. They need you. We've got to work while it is day. Salt Lake City is your Jerusalem. This is where you've got to make a difference. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, but it takes holy boldness. But God has given you power over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing can hurt you. He needs your voice. He needs your love and demonstration. He needs you to stand up and change this community. Do you know you are a blessed people, a challenged people? You can be the most powerful asset to the church of Jesus Christ. You know what others do when they look at the church here, born-again Christians here in this great state in this city, they know you have an impossible task. You're going up to, against a great, great kingdom. And they're waiting. But this is a blessed opportunity for you. That's where heroes are made under extreme difficult circumstances. They rise up against the odds. And they let their light shine that none perish. What about you? Are you willing to rise up and let your light shine? That that one person, they in your family, they could be your next door neighbor, your co-workers, 
in the marketplace. They need you to toss them into the kingdom of God. Will you do that? Will you do that? This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.